Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bradley. We are back. We are back. Uh, another another player interview, another thing that we're really excited about, and we are Shoot, man, one day away from fall it's, camp. We it's are on, fall camp eve. That's right, fall camp eve. There's an NFL preseason game on tonight, man. Football is officially back. We had an availability today with Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald. It's coming. It's coming, and we're really excited about that, and we're really excited to have our guests tonight. We have third-year defensive lineman Christopher Hinton out of Georgia. Um, was a massive, massive get for Michigan on the recruiting trail a couple years ago and a guy that you know we're really high on and expect to have a really good season. So, Chris, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. So before we started going live here, I talked to, uh, I talked to Mr. Hinton about how I think the last time we spoke was at the Army All-American game, and your, your little brother Miles was there as a Michigan target. I met your mom. I met your dad. Just an awesome family. So take us back to that a little bit. It's been a couple years now, but you were a big-time recruit down in SEC country, down in Georgia, and uh, now you're at Michigan and going into your third year. How did all that kind of come about, and, and what do you remember about that process that was, I'm sure, pretty crazy for a big-time recruit like yourself? Yeah, during the recruiting process, you have a lot of schools reaching out from all across the country different, you know, different academics, different football levels and different football statuses. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very overwhelming. But what my family and I did, we sat down, made a list of what was important to me, what was important to my family when deciding what school I wanted to attend to. And, and the top two things, I mean, there were a bunch of things, but uh, two things that really stood out to me was, you know, I wanted to go to school with great academics and great football. Like, and, and when you look at a lot of schools, you got schools that are at the top of the top when it comes to academics, and then they can barely fill up the stands on Saturdays. And then you got schools that pack out every Saturday, but a degree from that institution won't really mean anything. So when you look at the University of Michigan, you pack out every Saturday. And and when you graduate from university, I mean, you're, you're set when it comes to the, to the real world. So that, that's really what it came down to. That's that's a good uh, a good view for sure, and I remember you being real mature about it back then and talking to your parents about. It. I want to ask a quick thing about about your dad. I mean, he was a big timer himself, but the recruiting process was like nothing like it is now. I wonder how much were you able to lean on him? How much advice was he able to give you? Because it was just so different back when he did it compared to when you did a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, both. I mean, my mom too. She she yeah, was, mom uh, too. She was a, a high recruit when it came to basketball. Obviously. You know, like he like he said, it was different times back then. But they were both uh, just really great help with me, just keeping you know, keeping my my head clear, my vision clear. Because uh, these coaches, you know, they like to pump you up, like to give you a lot of fluff. But they were they're the ones, you know, able to keep me level headed, able to just keep my like I said, keep my vision clear, and make a make an educated decision and not a not a temporary decision, if that makes sense. So so I really really appreciate them for what they do and all the knowledge that they're pouring. Yeah. It's, it, so we know you got football talent from dad, but did you get any of the, the on-court talent from mom? Cause we haven't seen any of that out of you yet. How, yeah. How's your basketball game? No, nah, my basketball skills are real good. <laughs> <laughs> if you do your research, you, you'll find some things out. 
<laughs> just Google me, Google me, yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the answer. <laughs> no, nah, but basketball was uh, it was actually my number one sport for a good bit, and then okay. You know, I mean, I'm tall, but like you know, there's six four point guards, and I wasn't a point guard. Yeah, right. it was uh going into it was actually um the summer going into my sophomore year, uh, I was in Vegas playing with my AU team, and I told my mom, I was like, yeah, this this is my last tournament. Like, I, you know, just had to come into myself, and it was like, you know, that's when I started, you know, really focusing on football, realizing you know that's that's what my future holds. So. Yeah. And so you, you, you know, you get to Michigan, you're, you're on campus. Now you're entering your third season. Can you describe a little bit, you know, what, what has your Michigan career been like for you so far? Yeah. Uh, it's been really good. Uh, really, I've been really developing, you know, as a football player, as a man, as a student um, here at the University of Michigan. I really do not regret my decision one bit. Um, you know, you got your ups and downs freshman year and then COVID last year, which is crazy. Um, so I'm just happy to, you know, have this like a regular year. Uh, like I said, with last year being so crazy with the COVID restrictions and things like that. Um, and then having this be my third year, third year of experience. Uh, I'm just really excited and amped up about the season. I love the new defense and, and all that. So I want to, we'll jump right into that. Um, you know, you, you played some as a true freshman. You were a big time recruit, but I think a lot of people thought, man, 2020 might be like the coming out party for for Chris Hinton. And then it was just such a weird year. You mentioned it already, the COVID year, all the testing, the ups and downs, like we're playing, we're not playing. What games are we playing? It was just crazy. What was the impact like, the, like on you personally and then also like the team in general? Yeah, I mean, obviously, so what COVID happened was like around January. So, you know, it, it's still, it's still, it was still a very new, a very new, you know, sickness or whatever you want to call it uh pandemic uh, per se so there's a lot of unknowns uh you know you don't know how it's going to affect you you don't know how it's going to affect your breathing you hear you hearing kids getting affected this way you hear kids having no symptoms and, you know it was just it was just so such a wide range so for us to be in the middle of that i mean like at first it was like man like what are we doing but like but i really do have to say like the coaching staff they did a great job of just of keeping us healthy for as long as possible um keeping us healthy keeping us safe you know and things like that they really cared about our health but like you said it was just so crazy mentally like you said not knowing when we're going to play not knowing if we're going to have a season we're practicing we're practicing they cancel the season and then they resume the season it was just a lot mentally physically classes online you know no one's ever had class online every every end of the day meetings online uh it was it was a lot it was a lot so like i said just to say the least Really excited that we're back to some normalcy. Uh, really excited to hit camp tomorrow and, and get get to it. I want to yeah. follow up real quick on that because we've talked to uh, you know JJ's a freshman coming in. You and and uh, and and uh, and Mozzie coming into year three. We talked to Blake Corum, who's a sophomore. I just wonder if you noticed a a difference in the way last year affected certain people, like freshmen trying to figure it out, and it's like mm-hmm. all over the map. And then you had some senior guys who were like, dang, my whole career might be over now. How do you think that affected the different guys differently across the whole roster? Yeah, like uh, it affects guys differently. Like you said, first-year guys, essentially they know nothing different. So it wasn't really too much of an adjustment for them because they knew nothing different. Obviously, with the adjustment of being in college, you know, they still had to go through the ups and downs. But for the guys that have been there for a minute, it's like, dang, this is different. I got to adjust different because it's not the same routine that – Guys have been in uh, two, three years and things like that. Um, but everyone had to adapt. Everyone came together and, and, and did the best we could. 
Yeah. And, and I'm curious, um, you know, obviously the COVID-19 pandemic had a, a, a huge impact on what you guys were trying to do, but at the same time, you know, on the field, um, you know, Michigan, you guys finished with a two and four season and that's something that, you know, you guys aren't accustomed to the fans aren't accustomed to. And I'm curious, how much is that two and four record, you know, playing a role in your preparation for the 2021 season? Is it something that you guys are using as a motivating factor or is it one of those things where it's like, you know what, that was last year. We we've moved on. I mean, a little bit half and half. You can't dwell on the past. The, you know, you got to look into the future, but also you can't just not think about the past. Like it's still there. It still happened. So yeah, we use that as motivation. We want to obviously get back to what we're accustomed to doing winning day in and day out. Um, but again, like, yeah, we use that as motivation. We don't want to be back in that same situation. Um, but like I said, we're just excited, excited for, for some normalcy, excited for the year, excited for, for camp and just, just ready to get back into the flow of things. Yeah. And, and there's, there's clearly a lot of excitement within the team. I mean, every single player that we talk to, every single coach that we hear from, they all say the same thing, that something just feels different this yeah. year that, that was missing last year. You know, can you talk about, uh, from a personal standpoint, what is the biggest difference you notice from the team you were a part of in 2020 to this team heading into 2021? Um, energy. Uh, you saw it in spring ball and during spring spring training and also during summer workouts. Uh, guys just excited to, to practice, excited to be lifting, excited to run. Um, spring, spring ball was, was ecstatic. Uh, Guys, I mean, nine on seven popping. We had music, like we were having fun during practice. Guys were anxious to get to practice and things like that. And then we we kept that momentum rolling into the summer. Um, and now we're just looking to keep that momentum rolling into fall camp and into the season and so on and so forth. As a as a thirty seven year old guy, uh, I gotta ask, what's that like? What's it like to be excited to run? And work out and uh, really get after it. Excited to the extent, you know, but <laughs> but like you know, just knowing that we're about to go go work out and get better with your teammates, like yeah, like yeah, it hurts. Like I'm not gonna lie, but but knowing that you're going to work out with your teammates, get better with your team, I mean, it's a feeling that it's a feeling that like you can't really explain. And and even my dad talks about it. Like that's one of the things that. He misses the most just the camaraderie between his teammates once once you're done playing the game. And so we cherish that. We've been emphasizing emphasizing having our brothers back during the summer and, and we've been I think we've uh, done a really good job on that. Uh, I was being a little silly, obviously, but I think you handled that question very well. You know, you, it is it's supposed to be hard, right? I mean, practice yeah. is supposed to be hard getting better. But I wonder, you know, how much of of that new energy and being excited to work out and lift and do those hard things. How much credit do you give the new staff that are in there? And, and you personally, the D linemen have the only returning defensive coach in Sean Newell, but I'm sure all the other energy coach McDonald and some of the other position coaches kind of trickles down to everybody. So what's what's that been like? Yeah, the the new staff uh, has been nothing less but great. Like they've been amazing. Uh, they have they've contributed to some of the new energy for sure. Just Coach Mack being a young guy coming in with with his energy and, and positive attitude. Uh, it's just been. I mean, it's just been great. Nothing. I have nothing else. It's been great. Like everyone really like likes new defense. Uh, likes new energy. Likes the coaches. A lot of young coaches too, so they can relate to us a lot. Um, just things we're going through. You got guys who have, you know, like recently got done playing or like, you know, like Coach Hart on the offensive side, young guy. 
uh, went here. Coach Bellamy went here, can relate to what we're going through and things like that. So it's been good. So I'm curious, who is it? You know, we know guys like Aiden Hutchinson and some of the veterans, you know, they're, they're obviously going to do what, you know, they've been doing at the University of Michigan. We know that they're going to be on top of their game. But yeah. I'm curious, is there, you know, as you went through spring ball and summer workouts, has there been one or two guys in your mind that has, like, stood out and said, whoa, like, these guys are, they're ready to contribute this upcoming season? Who, who have been those people that have stood out to you? Yeah, um, DJ Turner had a great, had a great spring, uh, really bought out during the whole spring. Uh, even in the spring game, oh, he got, he got nicked up in the spring game a little, but he's fine now. But you know, great spring. Um, that's one. Who else? Macari Page. He had a good spring. Uh, Mike Mo. Mike Mo had a really good spring. Mike Morris. Michael Morris okay. had a good spring. Really brought out when he needed to. Um, just a lot of guys, like you said, who are just on the brink of of just playing well, uh, ready for their time this year. Um, on the defensive side, uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited about the year. I feel like we have good depth uh, all around the board. So, yeah, and and you talk about player growth um, for you personally and individually. Yeah. You know, what would you say? In what ways have you grown the most as a football player over the last year? You know, you came in as obviously you're a highly rated recruit. You know, people expect a lot from you. But over this last year, how would you say you've grown the most as a football player? Uh, I say I say I've grown the most just with my IQ of the game. Um, <clears throat> coming like just coming in freshman year, you're worried about the playbook. You're worried about not messing up. But like, as time goes on, as you get more comfortable with the playbook, as you gain more confidence, it's like okay, yeah, like I got this. So now, now you want to work on uh, just increasing your IQ. What what's the offense going to do on second and ten? What they're going to do on this type of formation? What's the demeanor of, of the offensive line? And those little things really help you just play faster, uh, more confident, more loose, because the worst thing is just playing with a clogged mind. You want to play with a clear mind. And so in, increasing my IQ has you know done dividends to my game. Well, we gave we gave Mozzie a chance to talk about you a little bit, so now I want to give you a chance to talk about him. You guys are, are uh, same position, b- yeah. basically, and came in together and – um, you know, we've heard really good things about how he's reshaped his body and how people are expecting big things out of him. I just, he was really complimentary. We said, you know, okay. He said, I've reshaped my body. I'm ready to go. And we said, well, what about, you know, what about Chris Hinton? How's he look? And he was like, man, he's been ready since he got here. He's, he's, he didn't have to do nothing. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with him or not on that, but, but what have you seen out of Mozzie? Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Ross and, and coach Harbaugh all said his name almost immediately when they talked about guys who were getting ready to step up. So what have you seen from your guy, Mozzie? Shoot, just like when he came in, I mean, he was—I mean, he was—he was big. He was a little bit too big, but like he—you can he, say it. He said it about himself. Yeah, okay, well, no, he was big. I ain't gonna lie, he was big. <laughs> and it was—he was just struggling. I, you know, the complete workouts and things like that. But he has done a great job of just taking the initiative, talking to our nutrition, talk nutritionist, talking to Coach Herb, and like you said, really reshaping his body. Like dropped forty pounds. Like last, he was like. 300 you know 300 now he's bulking back up to like 320 he looks great like i say i mean he's a hard worker uh like just really focused on his goals he talks to me about his goals all, every day all day he's like chris like my lean mass is x y and z i'm like he's been really working hard on all that i mean it, it's really cool to see him finally come in you know, his hard work coming into fruition, into fruition and things like that. 
and I'm really excited to see because he had a great spring. I'm really excited to see him put it together for the fall. You know, it's crazy. We have heard a lot. I feel like every player we've talked to has mentioned nutrition yeah, and, man. you know, the work that Abigail does and, yeah. you know, no different with Bozzi. I mean, you know, she was obviously a huge factor in him getting his body right. You know, can can you speak to the nutrition at the University of Michigan? Because it is something important for you guys, right? And it seems like that's a luxury that maybe a lot of other programs don't have out there or at least to the extent that you guys do. Yeah, no, Abigail does a great job just with like, really making sure everyone does what they need to do. Like what I need to do isn't the same as what Mozzie needs to do, not the same what Jeter needs to do and, and so on and so forth. And she does a great job of specializing what everybody needs to do to make sure that they, that they're at the best, that they're doing what they can do the best and get their body to be the best. And I mean, she's great. She's great. So where are you at? Are you in a place where you've been bulking up a little bit or are you where you've, you've kind of always wanted to be? I was uh, gonna say a fan. A fan is asking, <laughs> "What are you weighing now? What's the, how you feeling coming in?" Give in us the numbers. <laughs> I mean, I weigh. I'm weighing 310 pounds. Like last okay. year, I played at uh, like 305. Uh, I mean, I feel good at 310. I'm keeping my agility. Uh, I feel like I gotten stronger over the summer. Um, so yeah, like like I said, Abigail's great. She's helped me with you know just slimming down and, and bulking back up and knowing when and what to eat and, and things of that sort. So. Um, so we talked to Coach McDonald today, new defensive coordinator. We're still yeah. – everybody's so anxious to see what it looks like. I know you know a lot more than, than me and Chris do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't want to get anybody in trouble. But as Coach McDonald is starting to be in front of the media a little bit, he's starting to say a little bit more. He's starting to talk about what the edge guys do. He's starting to talk about his corners a little bit. What yeah. can you tell us about this defense and maybe personally what you think you can do in it? You know, guys like Aiden, guys like Josh Ross, who are our senior veteran guys, just what can the average Michigan fan expect to see out of that defense this year? Uh, yeah, we can we can expect to see it. I mean, it's a, it's a different type of defense. Um, we're going to be multiple in what we do. Uh, you know, I, I just really like the philosophy that he's brought to the team, uh, brought to the defense. Uh, I'm really excited. I, I just like his. I like his defense. Like I said, y'all gonna see come come game one versus versus Western what we got in store. But I just like how I feel like I can play more freely. Um, not really put into a pigeonhole what I what I have to do. Um, so yeah, I'm just like I said, just really excited. Like his defense a lot. Um, so yeah. And I know that this is tough. This is a tough question. You know, Coach Harbaugh always says, I don't like to compare because you always end up diminishing somebody. And that's that's yeah. not what I'm trying to do. But what are some of those big differences between what, what Don Brown did for, for you for the last two years compared to what you think you're going to do under Coach McDonald? Um, like, I think, I think uh, under this new defense, like I said, I'll just be able to – play more freely, um, you know, j- j- and things like that. Just, like I said, not be put into, put into a hole and, and into what I can do. I feel like I'll be able to show more of my skill set under this under this defense uh, to show a little more of what I can do. So there you go. Great. Mm-hmm. Handle, handled it well. I know it's a, it's a tough question because, <laughs> look, man, for so many years yeah. people – adored Don Brown and he did yeah. amazing things. And then, you know, the last couple of years, it wasn't so amazing. And so people yeah. are really curious about how it's going to be different. And I, Aiden, Aiden said some of the same things in, uh, in Indianapolis. So, I mean, you know, everybody is hearing that. And I think people are just really anxious to see it. So I appreciate yeah. you answering that. We don't want to get you to say nothing. You don't want to say, cause I'm sure Don Brown was, was your guy when he was here. He was. Yeah, he was. Yes, sir. 
So finally, we'll move on to the rivalries. You know, we can't we can't talk to a Michigan football player without talking, you know, at least Ohio State. But there's a couple other rivalries that I wanted to throw in here, you know, given the way things transpired last year. And, and the, the first one I want to talk about uh, is Michigan State. You know, you guys traveled to East Lansing this upcoming season. You know, last year they came into the big house, I think, as a 21 point underdog and walked out of there with a victory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for somebody who played in that game and experienced it, can you can you talk about, I, I guess, I don't want to say what happened, but what in your mind led to, you know, that loss to Michigan State? And, and what are you guys focusing on this year to make things different this time around? Yeah, we're just, like I said, we're, we're excited to finally, we're, we're going to be excited to play them again for sure. Uh, get back, get back. Uh, but yeah, they came in our house. Uh, they beat us last year. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, maybe I think that uh, and we just could have played better. Flat out, we just could have played better. No one to blame. Um, just guys, uh, everybody just uh, could have stepped up, uh, done a little more here and there, and the outcome would have been different. Uh, but like I said, we're going to use that as fuel um, and get ready to go play them this year. So. And then the next one is obviously Penn State. You guys are going to go on the road to Happy Valley. Um, I know you were there in 2019, and it was during a whiteout event. I, I, I was at night in prime time. Yeah. You know, one of the benefits to playing in the Big Ten is obviously you get to go to all of these, you know, these storied stadiums where there's so much history. Can you can you tell us a little bit what it's like playing in a whiteout game? Like we know what it's like in the stands, but as a player yeah. down on the field, what is that environment like? No, I won't lie. Freshman year. That was like when I started kind of to like getting the, you know start getting my feet wet a little bit more, and I mean that was that was a great environment. That was probably one of the greatest environments that I played in so far uh, in my college career. That wideout game is I mean it's, it's advertised, it's loud. I mean y'all saw our first game we jumped off sides. I mean first play we jumped off sides. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. So now I'm excited to go back there. I'm for sure excited to go back there to Happy Valley uh, and play and play in that environment. A uh, really good team. I know they're returning a lot of players. Like I said, it's going to be another another good game. I uh, got a lot of respect for them. So. Yeah. And finally, we'll go to Ohio State. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the guys that were at Big Ten Media Day spent a significant amount of time just talking about Ohio State and the rivalry. And one of the things that, that has become abundantly clear is there is a – I don't know if you want to call it difference in approach or mentality as far as how you guys are treating the rivalry this year. Um, we've seen, you know, the signs up in the locker room. What are you doing to beat Ohio State today? But as somebody who's inside the locker room, can you tell us what is there a difference this year? And if there is, what is that difference? Yeah, I for sure feel like there's a, a different approach, like you stated. Um, I feel like we're putting a, uh, more of an emphasis on the game. Um, I mean, I mean, we're just like, like I said, we're fired up to play them this year. Uh, get after them, boys. Uh, it's going to be a good game. I mean, this time, I mean, the game is the game, the biggest rivalry in college football. Uh, so, like I said, we're amped up to play them. Uh, we've been emphasizing the game, but we still got to take one game at a time. Uh, they're at the end, you know, end of the season. We still got to win the first 11 games first. But when that time comes, we're going to be ready. Yeah. There you have it. I mean, Everybody's kind of given that same answer. I mean, everybody, you know, they know. Everybody seems to know what's going on with that Ohio State matchup and how it hasn't been very good for Michigan, and everybody wants to fix it. Everybody wants to fix it, no doubt about it. Um, I think we're ready for the game, Chris. Speaking of the game, we're ready for 
Yeah, the comments were pretty good throughout, but we already okay. threw a couple of them up there, so I think we're good to go on our uh, on our football feud. This is where we get into the stuff that really matters here, Chris. Um, <laughs> this is the hottest game in all of the podcast world. I keep saying that, and I will continue to say those true. But it's football feud, and uh, it's pretty simple, Chris. If you've ever watched Family Feud, I'm going to ask you five questions. You're going to have 20 seconds to answer those questions. 20 the seconds. Answers, 20-ish seconds. Ish, yeah. Top answers are going to be worth 10 points, and then, we'll, you know, obviously the, the points will go down from there. And just so you know, right now, Roman Wilson is topping the leaderboard with 30 points. Uh, then we got A.J. Henning and Blake Corum coming up with 19 points. And so no pressure, but we're going to find out where you fall within this group here pretty shortly. So let's get it going, Brandon. All right. The timer, the timer, will, the timer start. will start. As soon as I ask the first question, number one, name something sticky. Good. Number two, name a food that kids love to eat. Hamburger. Number three, name something you find in couch cushions. Uh, pennies. A change. Number four, name something you close your eyes to do. Next. Next question. <laughs> Come back to <laughs> hurry, name, hurry, something, hurry. name something you fix with tape. Uh, paper. All right, give him one more I'll chance. Give you to one answer. more. Name something you close your eyes to do. Use the restroom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna put it in there. <laughs> I love it. I love oh, it. Oh man! Love it. All right, pretty good. That one maybe not, but the rest. <laughs> that one. Nah. He's gonna have a shot. He's gonna have a shot here to upend uh, upend Roman Wilson. Here we go. Uh, he will sleep, have a shot. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been so, a better one. That so the would have first been question, the first question was name something sticky. You said glue. Survey says that it's is right. The, correct. Number five, five answer. Number five, five answer. Glue. Number two, we said name a food that kids love to eat a lot of. You said hamburger. Survey said also yes. on there. That eight is points. a eight pointer. No, that sorry, three points. Oh, bottom a, of the list. Oh, yeah. you're that right. That's the number, a three number eight answer. Yeah. Okay. We'll give you three points for that. Number three, name something you find in couch cushions. You said change your money. Yeah. That's the number one answer. You got that one. 10, Ten points, points on, on, that on that one. one. Number four, we said name something you close your eyes to do. <laughs> <laughs> you said use the restroom. <laughs> We're going to get zero points there, but I think you make it up in a big way here. Name something you fixed with tape. You said paper. Survey says yes, number one number answer one again. Answer, 10 points. So we got 10, 20, 23, 28 points, oh, man. That's good just for second came up place. A little short. Just under say, Roman Wilson. I believe Chris's mom is watching. I think we owe her an apology for Chris going to the bathroom with his eyes closed all those years. You all keep uh, your eye out on that guy, man. Yeah, I don't know man. what that's about. That is that might be the funniest answer we've gotten so far. Yeah, I mean uh, Roman Roman Wilson. Yeah, he is, said something what, about dead bodies. He said bodies, name something you dig up, and he said dead bodies. So this is like yeah, this is one A and one two, right? Watch your back around Roman. Watch your back around Roman, and watch your bathroom around Chris. There you go. There you go. Chris, man, awesome, this man. was this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate the time. Um, you know, nothing but success for you this year. Stay healthy and go get them. And uh, yeah, man, just really appreciate it as always. Thank you. All right, take care, right, big fella. All, right. All right. Well, yeah, that answer was hilarious. <laughs> the bathroom. 
the restroom. Go into the bathroom with his eyes closed. I'm pretty sure he doesn't actually do that, but uh you never yeah. know what's gonna come out, you know. You never know. <laughs> I just want to say go blue. Anyway, here we go. Let's I'm get it started. Start go blue. Speaking of go blue, speaking we got of... a chance to meet with the coordinators today. And um, you know, man, I'm gonna I'm going to stay on the same trend I've been on, and I'm liking what I'm hearing. I'm liking what I'm hearing. You know, I've been, I've, I've been pretty much saying the same thing after every time I hear somebody talk. You hear, you hear Aiden Hutchinson talk. You hear Josh Ross. You hear Son Haskins. You hear Coach Harbaugh. You hear Sean Nua once uh, over at camp this summer. We had a chance to catch up with. Who else did we catch up with over the summer? Was that it? That might have been all we really spoke to. I know a couple yeah. of guys that have been on John Jansen's podcast. And look, man, it's uh, it's the night before camp. Nothing's really happened yet. But as far as how people seem to be feeling and the confidence level, it seems to be as good as you could hope for coming off a two and four season and getting ready for, you know, like like Chris Hinton said many times, a normal approach to everything. Uh, a brand new staff almost just across the board. I don't know, man. Things are about as good as they can be. And as I keep saying stuff like this on, on the podcast or in an article or on social media, you know, people will be like, Oh, you didn't think they're going to win yeah. the big 10. And no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I still, I still see seven and five. That's what I see when I look at the schedule on paper. But as far as what we're hearing and what we know right now, heading into camp, it's about as, as good as you could hope for. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a way to say it. I think their mentality seems to be exactly where it needs to be. You know, they they are on point with the way they talk about things, the way they answer things. The energy seems to be there. I mean, it's all the cliche stuff that you hear year after year, but I'd be lying if I said it didn't feel different. Like like the vibe and the energy and the things, you know, the way that the players come off when we're interviewing them and the way the coaches talk, it just feels different. Like I get a sense of something that feels different with this coaching staff. So I can only imagine what it feels like in practice and in the locker room. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you're right. Like they're saying all the right things. They're doing all the right things. But ultimately what happens on the field in the fall is what's really going to matter. And so I'm I'm reserving uh, myself a little bit, you know, I'm trying not to go get too high on them, but I'm still at that nine and three spot and I'm going to hold their firm. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. Like th this is something I've always, I've always said about myself. I pride myself on it. My mom and dad will certainly tell you I was this way when I was a kid. If I think it, or I see it, or I observe it, I'll say it. Like I, I don't have any problem doing that. So when I look at Michigan's schedule and I look at what they did last year, I say seven and five. I go to a press conference today. I hear Mike McDonald really kind of for the first time for me in person. I think he's spoken a couple other times, but this was our first time being back in person for a media event in a long time. I know he's done some Zooms and, again, John Jansen's podcast and some things like that. But for me, firsthand, in person, asking him a question, listening to him field other questions, I loved everything he said. I really yeah. did. I mean, he was kind of a – no nonsense guy, but he threw some humor in there. He talked about what he wants to do. He talked about the talent. He talked about, you know, it's there's no more talking. It's we don't really care about last year. We know what was bad. We know what was good. And then, like, I don't know. I just came away thinking like I, I like this guy. I am yeah. I think the exact tweet that I put up was like, 
I don't know if he can call a defense yet, but I like what I heard from him today. Yeah. And that, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with saying both. I'm, I, I, I can't look at him in a press conference and say, oh, he's going to be amazing. He's going to be the best right. defensive coordinator Michigan ever had. And a couple good answers in a press conference also don't make me change from seven to nine wins. That's just that's not what I was saying. But right. again, being back in person for the first time, going to this press conference and hearing him talk, he, he I, I liked it. I liked everything yeah. I heard. And you know, he's a young guy. You heard from some of the defensive players, the energy that he brings. He's a very, very smart dude, goal oriented, detail oriented. I like what I'm seeing. I yeah. like if I had to say right now, I would give him the benefit of the doubt, but that still doesn't mean it's going to be improved or much better or much more successful. We still need to see it. And that's why I'm just so anxious to see the defense, sure. especially across the board. Yeah. And with Michigan fans, I mean, there, there is a, another, you know, there's, there's several, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking of one right off the top of my head. There's another great example in Ann Arbor of, you know, what, um, camaraderie, what culture mm-hmm. can do for a program. And that's with what Jawan Howard has done with Michigan basketball. I mean, you can tell, you know, they're a talented team. Jawan Howard recruits well. They've got some talent on the team. And so does the Michigan football program. But I think what really takes things to another level is that buy-in, the relationship you have with the guys, the environment in the locker room. And to me, that's the difference maker. That's how you go from a team full of talented individuals that underachieves to a team of talented individuals that is a legit competitor for conference championships. And so, again, I'm, I'm trying not to get too high on what's going on, but everything I'm hearing about, you know, culture, relationships, energy, the vibe, all of that stuff, it seems like that's the juice that's been missing for the Michigan football program for a little while now. They had it for a bit when Harbaugh first got here, then it fell off after 2016, and now it seems like it's starting to come back, and, you know, it, it sounds like nothing but good things. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I said, I'm with you. We've both been to a lot of the same events and heard the same people saying the same things. And look, man, I don't know. I don't know how everything we've been to, everything we've heard, everything we've read, all the all the all the quotes, all everything. I don't know how you could come away from that. Like without taking mostly something positive. Now, now, look, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people out there who are like, I don't want to hear it anymore. I want to see it. And that's certainly fair. But I, I think if you're focusing on that right now, when they're not playing yet and they haven't started camp yet, then you're you're trying to find something to complain about. I think right now, like I said, as we sit here on August 5th, the night before fall camp starts, you, you've got to be at least optimistic. I mean, yeah. at least a little bit excited about what they're doing and how they're sounding compared to, you know, the last certainly last year. And you could probably right. even go back another year from that, especially towards the latter part of the season. Speaking of that, real quick, Chris, we'll come back to talking Mike McDonald and, and Josh Gaddis. Uh, just as we got going with uh, with Chris Hinton, Michigan basketball picked up a commitment from Terrace Reed, six foot nine, two hundred thirty pound center out of Missouri, twenty twenty two class, um, high four star kid, and he's had a really really good summer across the AAU circuit. So. People think that he's going to climb those ranks, but this is a kid that was down to Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Purdue, so the biggest of the Big Ten teams, and he picked Juwan Howard in Michigan. So the 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 success and the and the prowess on the recruiting trail continues for Juwan Howard. I'm not surprised. Uh, haven't followed Reed's recruitment extremely closely, but as his 
I was talking to you before we started to go live. I'm like, damn it, man, that's probably going to happen right in the middle of us yeah. talking to Chris Hinton. And it did. It did. So that's a huge deal. We'll break that down a little bit more tonight and tomorrow when we can get a chance to really dive into it. But just really big news and a, a big deal for Juwan Howard and Michigan basketball to land a kid like Terrace Reed, who had a bunch of big time offers and a really solid final four of, uh, again, like the, the big boys in the Big Ten. I mean, quick thoughts on that before we get back to Mike McDonald and uh, and Josh Gaddis. All I'm going to say about that is if I were a highly rated basketball recruit coming out of high school, which I am definitely not, but if I were, I can't think of another – and I get it. I'm biased, but I can't think of another program I would want to go to and play for um, other than Michigan and play for Jawan Howard. I mean, it's not just – the success of the basketball program. But every time we talk about the basketball program, you go to Juwan Howard and who he is as a person and just kind of the, the, the impact he has on those young men. And so I'm not surprised that he continues to reel in top rated talent. I think that's going to continue to be the case for as long as he's here or in well, Ann Arbor. Well, Chris, you, you might be biased, but the results aren't and the yep. big time recruits aren't. And he just inked the number one class in the country in 2021, and he's off to a great start now in 2022 with Terrace Reed and Doug McDaniel. I mean, he's he's starting to – it's just – I'm with you. He's, it's going to continue. He's going to keep stacking talent. He's going to keep getting guys that he wants. It's not going to be a – I. when I look at Juwan Howard and I watch what he does, I watch how he moves, I watch how he carries himself and conducts himself. I mean, we heard about it from – he was at the Peach Jam, and it was kind of like a silly – top 10 list did you put up a story about this i think you did or was it related uh, I or did so. we not get I think to so. that no i think either way either way it was it was it was a ranking of like the top 10 coaches that put themselves in the best position near half court like you know some funny list but basically which coaches from which college programs are always in the right spot watching the top recruits making sure they're visible making sure you can see their shirt their brand their school and then you know making those little gestures contact whatever was allowed Juwan Howard was number 1 yeah. he's 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 proven to be a a force on the recruiting trail he's already got a Big 10 title under his belt Michigan's going to be really freaking good again this year i mean i'm with you i mean when you start to stack up everything that like Chris Hinton said, everything that going to Michigan gets you, and then you throw on Juwan Howard, and then you throw on his 20-plus years in the NBA, and you throw on the success that he's already had. Where else I are you mean, going? I don't know, man. He, he's, he's, got it, he's got it rolling. There's no other yeah. way to put it. And, you know, it's like I've said multiple times, as much as I love John Beeline and everything he did at Michigan, Juwan Howard has made it better. And that yeah. is incredible. It's incredible. And it, it just keeps it just keeps. It just keeps chugging along. It just keeps chugging along. So big-time commitment from Terrace Reed Jr. just a little bit ago as we were talking to Chris Hinton. So we'll have a little bit more on that probably tonight, a little bit more, and then maybe some more on it tomorrow. But back to back to the press conferences today. I was pulling up the exact quote because I, I just loved it. I loved it. Somebody asked – uh, somebody asked Mike McDonald about the edge rushers in the three-four defense. You know, what do you call them? What what exactly do they need to do? How versatile do they need to be? Are they interchangeable? You know, like it was a really good question. It was a really yeah. deep, well thought out question. And he just said, "Look, man, set the edge, rush the passer, and don't blow it when we put you in coverage." And like, I just thought that was awesome. I thought yeah. that was an awesome answer. Now, I'm sure there's more that goes into it than that. Every play is going to be different. There's different calls on every play. But I mean, 
like really at, at its core, that is that is football. Don't don't make silly mistakes. Put guys in a position to succeed. Like Aiden Hutchinson's kind of transitioning to something a little bit new this fall. It sounds like if he's not great in coverage, don't ask him to cover all the time. And we right. saw, you know, some some pushback on that with the staff in the past. I think guys that might not have been super good at something were still asked to do it too often. And I think that's where. That's where Michigan found some struggles. So I, I love that answer from Mike McDonald. And while I think he was being a, a, like a touch facetious and being a little bit funny because he was laughing as he was saying it, but like yeah. I do think there was some truth to it. Ask guys to do what they're really good at and do it over and over again and keep it simple, but make make it look like it's a lot to the offense. That's what he, that's his message that he delivered. Yeah, it does sound a lot like just getting back to basics and playing football. And when you when you talk to these guys, you know, like you talk to a Chris Hinton or a Mozzie Smith, they the general consensus seems to be, or even uh, an Aiden Hutchinson, the general consensus seems to be that we don't we don't know the details of what they're going to do, but the new defensive scheme is just allowing them to play football in a way that better fits what it is they do and their skill set. Um, and so, even something like that, again, you, you know, you look at the defensive years past; they had a, a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball, but you know, guys were just getting burned and killed, and it looked like there was a lack of adjustments and not putting people in the right place and not you know utilizing talent the right way. I mean, shoot, if if that's all, Mike McDonald. Donald figures out is just how to play to their strengths and, and utilize the talent better. There is still plenty of, of talent on this defense enough to be, you know, one of the top in the conference, if not one of the best in college football, once again. Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, I know, I don't think, I know for a fact, Aiden Hutchinson is beyond excited to start the season because he's not playing the anchor position anymore in Don yeah. Brown's defense. Instead, he's going to be able to be, a six foot six, 270 pound athlete and go get the quarterback. I mean, not, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that he'll do, but like, that's why his numbers haven't been great. That's why Rashawn Gary's numbers weren't great. That's why Quiddy Pay's numbers even weren't that great in terms of total sacks and things that they were able to do and being disruptive around the quarterback is because they weren't really asked to do that. They were yeah. asked to, you know, be big, be strong, hold the edge, eat up a block or two and, and, and be a part of a defense. And while there is some of that in, in every defense, every style of defense, you can't be out there being a cowboy. You got to fall in where you're supposed to fall in. Yeah. But shoot, man, if, if Aiden Hutchinson's running a four, seven and he's stronger than the guy across from him, let him go kick that dude's ass all day. Like just let him do that. And, and, I mean, the same thing can be said on the offensive side of the ball. I think we need to see more of that out of Josh Gaddis and, and yeah. putting those guys in a position to succeed. And, you know, maybe in year three, that's when some of that stuff starts to click because I think in year one and two, we didn't see enough of that. Like, there's no way in hell that Donovan Peoples-Jones should never have a 100-yard game. And I know that wasn't that wasn't all Gaddis, but part of it was. And Nico yeah. Collins catching three or four balls a game for his whole career. That's unacceptable you've got to put those guys in a position to succeed. And maybe with the new culture, the new energy, some added input from a guy like Sharon Moore helping out with the OC duties, you'll start to see some of that coming around on offense as well. But again, I was, I was encouraged by what I heard from both Gaddis and, and McDonald. Um, Just really anxious to see how it looks in 2021. What about dude? What about Zach Zinner? Apparently he's the best player in the world. 
Apparently, apparently he's the best offensive player we have, which I don't know how they were talking about him. Yeah. I, you know, I, at first I was like, wow, that's really great. Like, and then I sat back and I'm like, well, I don't know how great that is, you know, (laughs) like, but I think at the end of the day, you know, he's a young kid who clearly, you know, he came into his freshman year and just had, you know, the oddest freshman year that, that you could possibly have. And it, it sounds like, you know, in the midst of all the confusion um, and just kind of how chaotic everything was, he grew a lot as a football player. And it sounds like, you know, year two, uh, it's not a question of if he's going to start on that offensive line, but where they're going to put him. Cause it sounds like he can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to hear Josh Gaddis talk about the offensive line and the depth they have there, because that's where everything starts. You know, they've got a tremendous uh, group of backs that can run the football. You know, they, they've got a quarterback. Well, now with the, the, arrival of Alan Bowman. They got a couple quarterbacks who've got some in-game experience. Um, I just think that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool to hear such a young kid being thought of that highly from your, your offensive coordinator. So a couple things that I, I, I'll, I'll a comment on what you said, and then also toss a question at you. I'm with you. I, if, if your sophomore guard is your best offensive player, uh, I don't know if that's – it's an amazing endorsement for Zach Zinner. Looks like he's going to be a multi-year starter and an yeah. eventual NFL player. That's amazing. That's great. You need guys like that. But I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's not the quarterback. It's not some All-American receiver that you need to make plays. It's not your stable of very talented backs. It's your sophomore guard. All right. It, does, we'll it doesn't – it doesn't scream high-powered offense. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, so you can look at that on both sides of the coin. And I wanted to ask, um, you mentioned the depth on the O-line, and after Gaddis was like, you know, we've got seven or eight guys, and Sharon Moore's bringing them along, and there's development there, and guys who have played. And I think he said seven guys who have starts, at, at least one start, and you can only play five. So, And, and you called it depth. and while I, So I guess I'm. I, my question is, what, what does depth mean to you? Does it mean like potential or athleticism or how good they could be? Or would you rather have like four or five guys who know exactly where they're playing and all have like 10 or more starts? I mean, like to me, depth is, is kind of like subjective. Like you yeah. can call that depth if you want to polish it a little bit. But to me, it's like, it's, I feel a little bit more uncertain about the offensive line than I do confident in the depth because you just, you don't know exactly where guys are going to be and who's going to even be the starters at this point. Yeah. I would say that depth is when you hear it in this context, if you've been paying attention, it's a little bit concerning only because, you know, you look at the big time programs that are out there that just continue to reload. And there just seems to be a hierarchy that's set like whatever position group you're looking at, like, these are our guys, these are Mm -hmm. our dudes, and this is who's behind them. This is who's coming. Um, And unfortunately, and we've talked about this a number of times when it comes to the university of Michigan and the football program, I don't have enough confidence yet in the development of players to, to feel good about, you know, a comment like that from Josh Gaddis that we've got a ton of depth to me that says, well, we're just not really sure who's going to be up there. So, so that can lead to some concern. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think that's something he's going to come out and say in a press conference. I think, you know, they're always going to try to paint it in the best possible light. They do have some guys up front with some experience. I think that's all going to be sorted out during fall camp. But I mean, man, you talk about a position group that, it's just a necessity. They get this thing right. It's that offensive line. And if they're feeling good about where they're at there, 
then, you know, I'm, I'm leaning more towards feeling good, but it's a little concerning. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh said three-fifths of the starters are in there, even there if go. their yeah. positions aren't. So you've got Ryan Hayes, you've got Andrew Stuber, you've got Zach Zinner with maybe, excuse me, maybe Vistardis playing center. And then you've got, you know, Trevor Keegan, Chuck Filiaga, Carson Barnhart. So you you do have, like, quite a few names in there and guys who have played and talent and versatility. That's That's all great. But when you've only got three guys that you know are going to start, yeah. And you don't even have their positions locked in yet. And you got a new old line coach and you got an unproven quarterback and you've got young running backs. And I look, uh, one of our listeners here, all the new coaches, a new defense, young team, tough schedule, not a recipe for a comeback season. That's where I'm at. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I just think it's too many of those types of things all at the same time. You know, when you go season to season, Maybe coming off a and coming off a bad year. Maybe coming off a better year, and it's a couple. You got a new defense and an unproven quarterback, or you've got a really good offensive line, but you're not quite sure about your young running backs, or you've got a great quarterback but unproven receivers. Like Michigan has like all of those things, and that that to me is why I have the seven and five thing that could like we've talked about so many times with a with like a. One bounce of the ball here, I feel like could be five and seven, but could maybe also be nine and three. It's just so yeah. many question marks and so many, so many storylines and things that we're all just so anxious to see. And we're gonna start, we're gonna start hearing more and more about it. We're gonna have availability from here on out, you know, for the rest of the for the rest of the month until we get to the beginning of September when we see that first game. So yeah. I was asked this yesterday, Chris. I think we've talked about this before, but I don't know if I've ever pitched it to you this way. I was on the M zone with Jamie Morris yesterday. And I think most people, most people would say that quarterback is the number one storyline going into the season. But what would you put at number two? What would is it is it O line? Is it what is it the defense? I mean there's some big ones. It's the defense because if yeah. you if you look at what's tripped up Michigan traditionally, at least under Jim Harbaugh, it's been the defense. You know, when you look at 2018 and 2019, Michigan put up enough points to win those games. I think it was, you know, in the high 20s and you know, it was 20s and 30 points. Like I know that they were scoring points, but when you're giving up, you know, damn near 60 points to your your rival, you're probably not going to win a lot of those games. And so to me, it's I want to see what the defensive scheme looks like. I know you're not going to learn a lot against a team like Western Michigan, but at least it gives you an idea of what does a scheme look like? Where are players being placed? What are they being asked to do? And then you can sort of figure out, you know, what does that mean moving forward? But for me, yeah, outside of the quarterback position, um, it's that defense because I think it's just such a big change, you know, that people really want to see what this thing is going to look like, especially after, you know, the, the tenure of Don Brown and just you, you watch this thing on the field for so long and you're like, damn, why can't it be better than what it is? And so I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to that. Well, let me ask then, is it even a given that quarterback is the number one storyline? I think you make an argument for the defense. Honestly, yeah, it's so I don't, different. I, All the different coaches, right. brand new scheme, first yeah. time coordinator, man. I don't, uh, here's the thing. I don't think we have any quarterback on the roster right now that is a, transformative quarterback that's a championship level quarterback like like, and and JJ may become that Alan Bowman he's got three years of eligibility left he could become that Cade could become that but right now entering fall camp we just don't have that guy so whoever wins the starting job it's like okay well they got the starting job I don't even know whoever wins the starting job is going to be that guy 
the final week of the year against Ohio State. I mean, it's just there's that much unknown about that room, but I don't think there's that big of a gap in talent, if that makes any sense. So for me, yeah, I'm, I'm obvious. I think a lot of people are excited to see who's going to start at the quarterback position, but that defensive scheme, that has been a thorn in the side for Jim Harbaugh and for Michigan fans for a long time. And if they can get that right on that side of the ball, I think they can be good enough offensively to, to be in every single game they play. <sighs> You just, oh man, you hit it on the head. I think you really hit the nail on the head with the quarterback thing there because I like Cade McNamara. I like everything I've seen and learned about Alan Bowman. And I like J.J. McCarthy's potential and future a lot. But I, in Dan Valari, what I almost asked, I almost asked Josh Gaddis about that today, how Coach Harbaugh keeps, he's made like multiple references now about Taysom Hill and Dan Valari. I think it's they are, a minor, they are putting it out there. That's for I sure. I think it's, I think if it even happens, it's going to be such a minor, minor thing that spending a lot of time talking about it's a little funny. But anyway, yeah. wh- whichever quarterback you want to talk about, I, I don't see any of them as like, you know, take every single player's every single player on the team take their level up a notch because of that quarterback that I just don't see it. I don't see it with those guys. And I mean, like you see that across the board with the, with the Heisman level quarterbacks, you know, like, I mean, Joe Burrow season a couple of years ago was insane. And Kyler right. Murray was just a crazy weapon. And, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. I mean, th- these are guys. Are, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys five, that we see, 10, you know, <laughs> top five, top 10 NFL draft pick type guys. Yeah who make a make a you know half a yard of separation feel like three yards because it's on the money it's on them there's no way the receiver's not catching the ball they hit guys in stride they make the smart decisions they get guys in the right positions and the coaches also scheme things to work to all of their strengths um i we just haven't seen that we haven't you know i don't think any of the guys on the roster are on in that in that uh same area when it comes to talent necessarily yet sure maybe jj is he's not going to be right now it doesn't sound like he's even in line to really be on the field very much and then when you look at like how the offenses have looked under josh gaddis i just i i haven't seen i haven't seen evidence where like if a guy's like pretty good at this you do something to make that skill amazing sure haven't seen it haven't seen it at all so that's why i think i think it still is quarterback for me and with the defense in a like a very very close second like hearing mike mcdonald talk today too i was just more and more anxious about seeing that defense like i really want to see what it looks like just feel very you know as a as a person who i think studies football as much as as anybody i don't know anything about it what it's going to look like nothing and i don't know you know nobody does how could you he's never called a defense before (laughs) there's a bunch of new guys and a bunch of new coaches um yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just – I find myself every single day just more and more anxious about football being back and seeing what the team looks like. And, yeah. you know, it's going to start here in a couple minutes with the preseason. Who you got? Steelers, Cowboys, preseason. I'm going to go All Cowboys. I, I think I'll always go Cowboys when they're on oh. the field. Okay. I'm, uh, okay. Where, wait, you're looking for the drop. You're looking for the drop. <laughs> no, this, this, this is our wrap-up. This is our wrap-up. I thought I was about to get oh. roasted. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always I, going. Did I do a roast? I'm, Hold I'm on. always going Cowboys when they're on the field. Give me a gold blue. I can see it. <laughs> can I 
can I hear it again? Do you have time? I'm one of those guys, man. I, I don't know why I like the Cowboys. You know, I you like, do like the Cowboys. Yeah, I like Jerry World. I like the whole spectacle. You know, I was a big wow. fan of Michael Irving, uh, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman. That oh, era. Like, dude, I love that me. stuff. Yeah, man. Oh, we'll, we'll, have plenty, we'll have plenty of time to talk about all that. I hate Emmett Smith so much. I hate him so much. <laughs> I mean, as a as a die hard Barry Sanders fan, you can't like him. I get it. I you get can't. it. I hear you. I mean, the dude was out there in a wheelchair to 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 get the record. I'm just like, bro. No. I mean, they yeah, don't yeah, call him, they don't call him America's team for nothing. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna I say. heard today what they haven't been. They haven't won a Super Bowl in 27 years now. They're not very good. They're not very good. They are, in a lot of ways, very similar to the Michigan football program, I think, in terms of, like, the branding, you know, how, how big of a footprint the they have. And, yeah. and, and, what it, and then what it looks like on the field sometimes versus what you would expect from a, a franchise like that. So Interesting correlation there. Yeah. That's our next uh, – no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk Cowboys. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to watch, you know, preseason football. Football, not like, man, yeah. It's not – it's not all that it's cracked up to be when you're comparing it to the regular season, but I'm still what, excited to watch. It's I'm football go on your on. TV, so. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's live and it's not recorded and you're actually, you know, I'm curious to see like Najee Harris. You know, I don't know. Yeah. If, I think he's probably going to play tonight. I would yeah. hope a little bit for the Steelers. CD Lamb, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some young guys, some rookies, some of the guys we haven't seen a lot of. Anyway, there you have it. Chris Hinton, appreciate the time. Um, I <laughs> did want to throw this up real fast just to close us out. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. to the Hinton's toilet seat. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back again on probably Monday, I guess. Get back to our regular schedule. Yeah. We threw a couple uh, interviews here together, so we'll be back on Monday.